0: Welcome to Nuanced Beauty. This podcast is intended to be a spot where my husband Bill and I will capture some complex thoughts and challenge us to hold to our opinions loosely so that we can see the beauty in others and the beauty in ourselves. I want to challenge us to dive deeper into those everyday topics and those sticky topics that we might shy away from or we might bulldoze over others with our opinions. Because I think there's wisdom in this idea that if we all thought exactly the same, there would be no need for anyone else. So let's have a conversation and let's get nuanced. Hi guys, welcome back to Nuanced Beauty. Uh, this week I'm doing another interview and I have brought a friend of mine, Erica, onto the show. Hi, Erica. Hi. Thank you so much for being willing to join me. Um, Erica and I go back probably like, I don't know, eight, 10 years,
1: (laughs) something like that,
0: (laughs) Um, we met back in Seattle and we were in the same community group for a season until uh, they moved to California. And then now they're in Tennessee. But so we were super tight in the season uh, together when we were both in Seattle. And um, I wanted to bring Erica on because I saw recently some Instagram posts that she shared about homeschooling. And um, we'll kind of dive into it with Erica, but she has been a teacher and she's homeschooling her kids. And as you might guess, people can have varying opinions on how they feel about homeschooled and public and private and charter and all things schooling. So um, with that, I thought, who better than Erica? So Thank you. Well, thank you for having me on today. That's really exciting. I hope I'm not too nervous or it doesn't come across that way, but Um, let's dive right in. Um, How was your school experience growing up? Um, It was, so growing up, I didn't actually know
1: anyone who was homeschooled. Um, I was, I went to public school for kindergarten through eighth grade, and then I I went to a private high school. For ninth grade, 11th grade, and 12th grade. And then for that one year of 10th grade, I actually was homeschooled. But I didn't know anyone who was homeschooled. So it was like this weird adventure we did um, all on our own. And, you know, the reasons behind it were because I was dealing with some health issues and there were some family issues going on. Um, But ultimately, it just ended up being one year that was kind of self-led. And, like, I remember the curriculum we did. We did a Becca Okay. Um, was that with your, was this your mom mostly homeschooling? Yeah. So my mom homeschooled my dad, we had, we had like sold our house and my dad still needed to keep his job in Chicago area. And then we had a home up in Wisconsin, like a, like a cabin on a lake kind of thing. So we nice. were like, we didn't know what else to do. So we moved up there and then would venture back and forth to see my dad every three weeks
0: or so. Oh, so that homeschooling cool. allowed us to have that freedom to travel. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, And was your schooling experience primarily in the Chicago area then?
1: Yeah. So I graduated high school um, in Chicago area. It was a a private school in West Chicago. Um, And then from there, you know, did a couple of years of community college and ended up in Seattle
0: where I met you. (laughs) Nice. Um, That kind of goes into my next question. I wanted to follow that up with as an adult. Um, I know that you went into teaching, so I wanted to kind of share with the audience the various places that you've taught and any specific things that stood out for better or worse in all the various roles. Sure. Um.
1: So I graduated from Seattle Pacific University with my teaching degree. Um, and I ended up getting hired at a private Christian school in the greater Seattle area. So I worked there for five years. Um, I ended up teaching sixth grade elementary, which basically means I had all those kids all day long and I taught seven subjects to them. Oh, um, wow. It was it was a lot of work to be an expert in seven subjects seven subjects at the sixth grade level. Okay. Um, yeah. But my classes were smaller. It was 21 to 26 kids, depending on the year. Okay. And then um, I'll go through the the three, the, the, where i worked and then I'll come back and tell you the positives and negatives, if that's cool. Yeah, that sounds great. Okay. Um, so after that, I, I truly burned out. So I truly burned out. Like that's a thing in teaching is teachers burn out. And so I took three years off from teaching and worked in downtown Seattle. Um, then okay. I got bored. <laughs> I literally got bored. There was nothing to do. I'm so used to being such a busy person helping people that I got bored of just sitting at a desk. So I went back into teaching and that that time I went into public school teaching. So I went to a public school in the greater Seattle area and I taught again, sixth grade elementary, but this time I had 32 students. Oh my gosh. Uh, that's a big so class. many kids. It was so, it was a big room and it felt crowded too. Um, I was actually paid a stipend for those two extra students over 30 because the schools were so crowded.
0: Oh, so the limit was 30 there. Yeah. That's so interesting. So just to uh, kind of like share where we're at, um, we moved from Seattle to Florida. We've been here for two years. And um, the limit is um, like, I think Zeke's class, he's, you know, first grade. I want to say it's 18 and then in third or fourth grade, it goes up to 22 and then it maxes at 26.
1: Wow. That's nice. Yeah. (laughs) That's
0: makes such a difference. So 30 and 32 sounds like, holy crap.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was a lot. And there were a lot of needs in that class too. Being a public school and it was, um, it had like 50, percent of the students in the in the school system were on free or reduced lunches Um, and it just was a hard situation to be in Um, I know I said yeah I'll let me tell you the third opportunity and then I'll tell you the positives and negatives so um, after that took lots of time off to have another kid and just be a stay-at-home mom and then um, I ended up working for a charter school in California So that one was called I Lead Exploration. They're kind of a bigger charter school. They have schools across the nation. Um, Now, was that in person initially? Yes, good question. So that was during the pandemic. And in California, anyway, the um, schools all basically shut down. Every brick and mortar building shut down. And um, kids didn't go to school for quite a while. So the charter schools, there's this beautiful thing in California Um, where the charter schools give families state funding and they're allowed to homeschool with that funding um, under the umbrella of a charter school. So I ended up working for them. I ended up being one of their teachers. They call their teachers educational facilitators at that school. And um, basically I was given a load of students K through 12 and um, I was the teacher of record for those kids. So they would do homeschooling at home using curriculum that was approved by iLead. And then, um, they would meet with me once a month and we would go over some of the samples they had picked out to show me. And I'm just making sure that they're at grade level and I'm offering support wherever needed and so forth. So wow, that was a really cool situation. Yeah. I really liked that. I ended up working for them even when we moved to Tennessee, which was really awesome. I loved, I really loved that school. Um, but I promised you I'd go back to the private Christian school. Canada. I guess I should have done that a little differently. But hopefully you're following my spaghetti brain of train of thought here.
0: <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you kind of did the private Christian school for a few years, took a break, then went into the public school in Seattle, and then took a break. And then you kind of got the taste of California charter school. Yeah, um, Yeah. what were the highs and lows? The highs and lows of the private school... Um,
1: Well, they didn't have state funding being a private school, so they didn't have services like IEPs or special ed or reading programs or English language learners. So on the one hand, it was a lot more streamlined, like the students generally were at grade level at that school and, you know, their parents were all paying for them to be there. So they were of a certain, you know, level of economic status. Um, it was not an expensive school to attend, but it, you know, you still had to be able to pay, to pay to go. It. So it, it yeah, yeah it, 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 limited, it eliminated sort of that, that lower income bracket of people. Um, and that for the teacher just kind of made it streamlined. Like it just meant that kids were more at grade level, um, and so forth. Um, mm-hmm. And on the other hand, if a student was somehow not at grade level or needed extra support in any way, it was solely up to the teacher to help them and support them and differentiate their instruction if needed, um, which was what we spent most of our professional development and training around. Honestly, it was just to like how to help those students that were coming in
0: that were still performing at a lower level. And did you (laughs) tend to um, focus on accommodating those that weren't at grade level or did you also um, have to accommodate those who were like above and beyond where they, you know, the current level?
1: I had a little bit of both. So I would have students in my sixth grade class who really should have been in like higher level math, for instance. So Mm. I wasn't qualified to teach higher level math. So I'd send them upstairs to the junior high for math class. But just okay. those one or two, but if they were like really advanced in English, then I'd have to differentiate, differentiate their instruction a bit and like give them a more challenging assignment to do or, um, but you know, vice versa, if somebody was really struggling, maybe performing on a fourth grade level on a reading level or something, I'd have to differentiate their instruction to, to meet them where they're at instead Gosh, of expecting yeah. them to be. But there, I felt like that wasn't really well taught to us and, mm-hmm. um, It was way more important when I went to the public school, um, which, uh, let me think here. So I told you about how, yeah, just there are 32 students and just, it was such a different experience. So private school was all kinds of curriculum, more curriculum than you could possibly need. And then you get to public school. There was only math curriculum at this school. Oh, Okay very different. And it was a different style of math. I wasn't, unf- I was unfamiliar with it. Um, it's a widely used math curriculum that people know now, but I didn't know it. It was called Singapore math. Um, and they didn't give me any training on how to do it and just sort of threw me into there in the lion's <laughs> den. And I was just sort of expected to,
0: to like sixth grade math, watching YouTube videos on the weekend
1: <laughs> all the time. Yes. All okay. the time. And then the rest of the curriculum, I was basically told to create it. There was like a little bit of science that we could use, but the other teachers didn't really use them. So I followed like kind of their lead and it just, it was all about teaching to the test. Like that's that from day one, I could tell that's what we were doing. We were teaching to raise the scores that Mm -hmm. school's ELA scores were very low. Like I told you, it was like 50%, you know, reduced in free lunch. Yeah. Um, and my principal was consumed with raising those scores. So without actual ELA curriculum and only the state standards that we had from the internet, I was supposed to create lessons that followed a certain structure of in- of instruction and supported demonstration and then independent demonstration. So mm. it just, it was really difficult and I was pregnant and nauseous and all of that. So like, it was just a really hard year, but, mm. um, yeah, it taught me a lot. Like if I learned anything, it was my, my level of compassion for children in unfortunate cir- situations and circumstances. It really opened my heart to love them and be there for them as much as possible. Oh,
0: and that's, that's probably why
1: most teachers will say, you know, that it's a rewarding do job. Do. Yeah. That's yeah. why you do what you do as a teacher. It's, it's not because you're handed the best curriculum. So uh uh-huh. anyway, yeah. and, then, um, and then the the charter school, what were kind of the highs and lows you found there? Um, so many cool things about that. I could work from home. I had the option to work part-time. Um, I had the option to include my own son on my roster and get paid to teach him, which was really cool. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. So you're paid per student that, that year or the year I was an EF. Um, so you're like a certain amount per student on your roster. So if you had 15 kids, you were paid a certain amount. And if you had 30 kids, you were paid a different amount. Okay. Yeah. Um, that, so that was really cool. Um the downside was I never really met my my coworkers in person because we moved in the middle of the pandemic. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, but they were always so incredible and so supportive and encouraging and like what an incredible group of women. It was mostly women that I worked with um who t- to 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 be surrounded by. They were really amazing. So, um, and I met some really cool families. Like I learned so much about homeschooling in that situation um learned so many different kinds of curriculum became really confident in knowing curriculum um and was able to help a lot of people who were scared to homeschool like that was my job was to encourage these mamas who were coming in going i don't know how to do this but i'm here show me how and i was, you know hold their hand and give them resources and make us we'll make a schedule for them and put it all okay. on a spreadsheet. And here's how we're going to
0: do this, you know, and check in with me, that kind of thing. So oh. really cool. nice. And so then, um, fast forward to recently, um, when did you start homeschooling the kiddos? It sounds like possibly with this, one of your kiddos was on the roster, correct? Yeah. So, um, the pandemic is really
1: the answer to that. I started homeschooling during the pandemic Um, My oldest son was in preschool when the pandemic started in March. um, And that was his last year of preschool. And we learned really quickly that Zoom school was not for him.
0: Oh, yeah. He (laughs) wasn't going to sit still. Gotcha. (laughs) Okay. He
1: didn't even want to be on the camera. He would run. Like, he wouldn't even sit in the room. (laughs) We're like, we can't do this.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I was so like it was well, just a clear, like, okay, this is not going to happen. It looks like I'm stepping in. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: And I had always said that I would never homeschool my own kids. Like I really said that to people boldly and had to eat my words because <laughs> here I get. was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to homeschool my son, um, preparing to homeschool my son. And everybody in California was trying to get into one of these charter schools. The they passed some crazy laws that limited the amount of kids that could enroll in charter schools because they needed the money to still stay in public school yeah they need the money Uh, to still stay with the public schools to pay for the buildings and all of that so they limited it but Grayson got a spot he he got a a spot and he got into the charter school before I did I was hired about a month after he was already working or already uh, a
0: student there so he got to be on my roster once I was there okay and then um fast forward to now um you're you you've decided to homeschool both boys. Yes. Okay. So we moved from
1: California during the pandemic to Tennessee for family reasons. We had family out here and decided to follow them. And um I was able to continue working for Eileed at that point, but Grayson was no longer a resident of California. So I had to unenroll him and I had to choose to basically um homeschool him myself. I forget what the wording is for it, but um, I had to be my own my own operation, mm-hmm. um, but I think had I not had the handholding of lead, I don't know if I would have gotten to where I am now. Like it was so instrumental to have that that group of people who could tell me you can do
0: this. Uh huh. And then you were providing that support to others too, so it's mm-hmm. like that like uh, you learn by teaching sort of thing. Totally. Yes, okay. exactly. So for like, um, that kind of leads into this uh, tension that I'm sure some people listening might either a have that opinion like I could never homeschool my kids or I'd never want to, or they might think, I'm not qualified to teach my kids. Um so like, could you offer them some advice and uh, it sounds like you did yourself have very similar worries and reservations. I did. I
1: did. I that was me. It's like, hi, it's me. <laughs> I can totally identify with that. Uh-huh. Um, it is my story. And I've come around to the other side. Um, and I see, I see this attitude all the time. I'm, I'm that person that a lot of people in my friend groups seems to come to and say, like, I'm really struggling with my kid's school. Like, I don't know what to do. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm there to help them. I have two friends right now who are unhappy with their schooling situation with their kids are in. And uh, they have literally flat out said, Oh, I, I can't teach my kid. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. So what I say with those
0: people, a little bit of tough love, maybe yeah, like, a little bit, No, you really can <laughs> like yeah. selling yourself short. Exactly. Um,
1: I, you know, when I was in that situation, I was thinking that, you know, my kids would drive me crazy and I need my alone time and um, my kids won't listen to me and my kid can't sit still. And, you know, I could come up with all of the different reasons for my own kid. And I hear the same or similar things from other moms as well. Mm -hmm. Or my kid needs socialization or my kid is such an extrovert or um, teaching, you know, whatever grade it is, is too difficult. Or I don't have time during the day or I need time away from my kids during the day. Like all I've heard it all. Mm -hmm. And. I think all of this really, truly, like, if you're going to go, de- if you're going to go deep and you're ready to go deep with me hard and fast, like, I think it's a fear of just the unknown. Mm, and, yeah. You know what I mean, And I not think- having
0: control because ultimately like at the end of the day, like just in parenting, we know that we don't get to control our kids. <laughs> yeah. we, we do the exactly. best we can to like lead them and teach them, but they ultimately make decisions. So like bringing them home, to do homeschool, like, you know, that's like, eight, you know, potentially eight hours a day that people kind of sort of check out. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And like hand over the risk of teaching their kids. <laughs>
1: yes, exactly. And I mean, I could speak more to that, like that specifically, Um, you know, people, they, I would just say to them, like, you might have that difficult child, but, but God gave you your child. And that wasn't an accident and their behavior is not an accident, but God has equipped you and Mm -hmm. he will continue to equip you to, if you truly feel like you're being led to homeschool. Like there's a lot of people who are like, I don't feel the right, we're in the right situation. I'm feeling pulled to this, but I just don't know how, like for those people, I think it's a fear issue. And I think that if you truly trust God, and you truly trust yourself, I think you can do it. And I would actually flip the questions on them. I would say, Are you not willing to learn how to homeschool your child because you're afraid of the outcome? Mm -hmm. You're afraid of a rough day. You're afraid your kid won't make progress. Chances are you're approaching the question of Should I homeschool because something in your current situation is not sitting well with you? And Uh you know your child needs different, you know your child needs better. So God designed children to learn and they will learn. They soak up the environment they're in and become what they see and what they know. Mm -hmm. So I would just encourage people to give it a try. I mean, the worst case scenario is you can put them back in public school or private school. Like it's it's not a closed door. Those schools, people do it all the time. They try out homeschool and then they go back. A lot of the families who pulled kids out for the pandemic, they went back to public school or private school
0: hmm Yeah. Totally that's, okay. That's like a, that's a really great point. Um, kind of rewind a little bit, um, our kiddos in first grade. And when we were looking at pre-K, um, we were in Seattle and we chose to put him in a private Christian school for pre-K. And, um, in that, like, you know, the year leading up to that, I had tuned into a podcast, um, I'd have to look it up, but it was by Jen Oshman and it was specifically about schooling. And she brought up that um, she has, I think three or four kids. And over the years, they had done all of the options. They had done homeschool. They had done public. They had did online and they had even done boarding school because they lived overseas and it was like a legal requirement or something. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, And she um shared how, uh they made changes along the way based on the needs and also she shared how with each kid they like they had to make uh different decisions for each kid yeah. and um having hear her just say that out loud as i was like pondering like what to do for pre k um i felt like almost like freed you know like this sense of freedom like you just said that um, the fact that I can just change my mind and I don't have to feel stuck forever in this choice I made, that is, that is super, like, like that may, that might be enough to get you over whatever fear you have, like with the change being difficult, like knowing that it's not permanent. You
1: Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. There's, there's so many people who have shifted and changed and there's so many different ways to pivot to. I like that you said that She did boarding school and she did online school and they did homeschool. And within the homeschooling realm, there's like, like 20 different ways to homeschool and you can do all of them and none of them at the same time. Like there's so many different, there's no, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's no right way to homeschool.
0: Uh Uh-huh. I like that.
1: It's such a, it's such a broad umbrella that you're just, you have to almost unteach yourself what school looks like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bill and I, uh, we had chatted some and he brought up the amount of time that is spent in the school day, just like standing in line and organizing kid from location to case- location. Yeah. It is a lot of, you know, cause like, I think if you went into it thinking that eight hours of a day needed to be like, uh, you know, no joke, focused, 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 it's not.
1: No. And
0: I think, um, yeah, just kind of putting that perspective out there. And then the other thing that um, I would throw out there is that um, the idea of like, I'm not qualified to teach my kids school. Um, Bill taught at a um, college, like a, you know, a trade school sort of college. And the thing that he highly like it rubs up against with that statement is that um, teachers aren't necessarily subject matter experts either. And they just have to learn the, the material that they're teaching. And the big thing is like how to teach and do you actually connect? And do you like, can you frame something in a way that somebody can absorb the information? So like the how to teach is kind of more significant than I'm an expert in calculus. Absolutely. And who's who's the expert on your kid?
1: Like, it's not mm-hmm. the teacher. It's you. Mm-hmm. You're the expert on your kid. So you know how your kid should, is going to learn and you're going to figure it out real quick if you don't know. Yeah, I agree with Bill. I think most everything I do with my kids to teach them is available somewhere on the internet for free. Like I'm not using skills I took, in, I learned in college to homeschool
0: my children. You're just kind of applying all the things you've observed. Cause this has kind of been your, your, you know, your professional side too. And now in the homeschooling, which yeah, that makes yeah, sense.
1: Absolutely. Um, the only thing I have that's in addition to what maybe others don't have is I have the confidence and yeah. that's what gets me through it. You know, like, I think you just have to step in and you'll gain your own confidence.
0: Mm-hmm. Like build that with time. That makes yeah. sense. Um, have you considered long term or I don't know if long term is the accurate word, but um, are the boys, do you think they're going to continue with homeschooling or do you think this is, this will be something you play year by year? Um, yeah,
1: I was thinking about that when you, cause it's such a, it's such a big question to know, how are you going to handle the rest of your children's, um, upbringing? Ch- childhood? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> our, our, our plan right now is really to get through middle school and reassess. Okay. Um, having worked at I I learned that there's so there's a ton, there is a ton of support out there for high schoolers that wasn't there even just five years ago. And mm-hmm. that's really thanks to COVID at this point, you can literally teach nothing and be totally hands-off with a high schooler if you wanted to. I don't recommend it, but you can do that. And you can just purchase curriculum that teaches through virtual live classes or like recorded lessons, or you can go to an in-person class that is designed for high high school homeschoolers. Uh-huh. So just maybe getting into your next question a little bit, but the resources available now are just incredible. Um, so, I'm not a math person. Math is my hard subject. My husband does math. He does numbers for a living. So we've talked about how he's going to do their math from probably fifth grade to eighth grade. And then we're going to reassess if the, the reason why we continue to homeschool is still there, or if it would be more beneficial for them to go to probably like a private school or something like that.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting on that. Um, initially you had mentioned about like high school level and that, uh, the thought that came to mind is, uh, we had a nanny last year and she was a senior in high school and she, she wasn't homeschooled, but she was completely online.
1: Mm. And
0: like, so she was able to nanny for us and finish out her senior year, uh, because it's that, I don't know, not easy. Right. But she was just an independent, you know, uh, self motivated, like she was practically ready to go to college, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I have a, a girlfriend here as well, who she was, um, fully homeschooled her and her siblings. And I had chatted with her about homeschooling because she has four kids of her own and they are, um, in public school here. And, she just shared that she had some frustrations when she got to her high school years uh, because she felt like her parents um, didn't continue to dive like deep into topics like calculus or physics or history, like some of those things that um, may have been available curriculum wise, which, as you've mentioned, um, this was 20, 30 years ago. Now, I it sounds like it's much more readily available. Um Yeah. That was her kind of hesitation to the high school years. I can identify with that because I was a 10th grader
1: being homeschooled and my mom couldn't teach math to save her life. So (laughs) I failed geometry that year, but I just made it up the next year when I went back to public school. But nowadays, there's like, there's some really incredible programs where you can learn geometry online or join a live class or even go in person like Tennessee has so many opportunities where kids can go to a class with other homeschool kids and learn a class it's almost like a private school but you're just going one day a week or you're just going for that one you know one
0: subject or something like that okay yeah so yeah. um how did you go about selecting the curriculum and yeah if you wouldn't mind diving into um what, you know, what sort of options are out there? That would be great. Sure. I'll try. Um, it's a, that's a huge question, but um, it's,
1: and it's, <laughs> throw, it's- throw
0: your top five or something, you know, the top <laughs> ones that stood out in your mind.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, it's just, it's because it's so individual and different for every family, but um, there's some really great resources out there to get anyone started. Um, you can literally Google how to pick a homeschool curriculum and you'll be directed to take like a little self quiz about the different styles of homeschooling. Um, The top ones that come up that most people fall into are going to be like the classical way, the Waldorf way, the Charlotte Mason way. There's relaxed homeschooling. There's unschooling there's outsourcing or online schooling. And then there's people who do a little bit of all of it. And you kind of call them the eclectic homeschoolers, which I'm an eclectic homeschooler that that leans a little more Charlotte Mason. So, okay. Um, Yeah. Um, And once you've identified kind of where you want to go, that's where you can go to a website called Kathy Duffy's reviews. It's just Kathy Duffy Okay, we'll put and that in the, uh, I'll put that in the episode notes so people can click on the link. Awesome. Um, And she has the good, bad and ugly of nearly every curriculum out there. It's, it's a big website. And that's still an overwhelming place to be to be like looking at her lists, but it, it at least gives you a starting point and some links to start clicking on if you don't have you've never heard of homeschool curriculum before. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I would say is to join a Facebook group, um, for your local homeschooling area. So like I'm in one here in Tennessee where it's just a bunch of homeschooling moms asking a bunch of questions and there's always new mamas on there going, Hey, I just unenrolled my kid from public school. Um, where do I start? And (laughs) I'm about to pull my hair out. (laughs) No, (laughs) yes. Yes. There's just a vast community of homeschoolers here that, that, that can answer those kinds of questions. And, um, like I'd say if you pulled your kid out of school last week, you do not have to rush to decide a curriculum right away. Like take your time and research it and find what you really want to spend your money on because there are plenty of free curriculum out there too. Mm-hmm. There's there's one called Ambleside and that is an online free curriculum. The other one that comes to mind is Khan Academy. They have through high school free curriculum online. Wow. Um, Teachers Pay Teachers is a website with a lot of free and affordable printables um, for like getting you through just a couple of days or a week or two. Um, mm-hmm. Same with education.com. Um, one that I use that I've enjoyed from the beginning is The Good and the Beautiful. They are a faith based curriculum, um, but they put out their entire language arts and their entire math curriculum out there for free um, if you nice. want to print it or you can purchase it already printed. Um, so, we, like I said, we do language arts for them. We tried their math. I tend to like another one for math, but, um, I just tend to find what's economical for me. And I would say like, if you're going to purchase something, maybe the first thing you buy is a printer because a really good printer, we have the eco tank printer and we get it from Sam's club or Costco. The ink is there as well. And like the, you could print thousands of pages on one set of ink. It's so economical. So that's how we do it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's a good, that's a good thought that like, you know, I'm, I'm not homeschooling. I would have not considered, but I just had to replace uh, the ink cartridge in my uh, printer recently. So I'm like, Ooh, um, 30 bucks for the color and 40 bucks or 40 for the color and 30 for the black and white. And I honestly, I don't know if I printed 500 pages so I could only imagine.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I printed all of my kids' homeschool curriculum this year, which is multiple books using one set of ink, which cost me only $50 for all the colors and the black. Oh my gosh. I can can still print more. It's not even half gone. So nice. they're they're great printers. Yeah. I I should be a rep for them. They're really amazing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We need an endorsement. So (laughs) yes, please. If you hear me, I'm over here. (laughs) Nice. Um, that that was wonderful. I think you just went into a lot of ideas so someone listening could go back and they could write something down. We'll put a couple um uh, notes uh in the show notes as well. Um and then let's see uh I had one other question that kind of goes into yeah. the getting nuanced about things, right? Um a common opinion that we hear is that homeschooled kids miss out on the social activities or they're socially awkward and Um, I personally would not agree with that because I've met some homeschooled people who are phenomenal. Like they are very smart and kind and passionate. Um, but, uh, from your perspective, um, what insights would you give to maybe challenge that assumption?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't necessarily fall into that category at all. I could see where like maybe the things that are where that, that opinion comes from. And maybe it's based on like appearances or the way that you interact in a social circle of peers of the the same age. Um, and just kind of the ways that kids point other kids towards certain pictures on their t-shirts or the way they wear their jeans or whatever. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't, I don't know that in terms of socializing that homeschoolers are, 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 are awkward or, or weird for that. Like they're actually some of the most socialized, versatile people I know. And I personally see great value in having my children interact with children of all ages. Like
0: Mm -hmm. my kid,
1: my kids will go up to an adult and have a conversation with someone that they don't know that well. Um, you know, or like one of their teachers, we go to a co-op. So, um, once a week, so like they have other adults that are interested in what they have to say and they have no problem and they're not shy at all to speak to another adult or same with like a high schooler who might want to engage with them and, and chat with them. Like, I think that's more intimidating to somebody who's been in like an age segregated school system.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think, um, and I, I do think that this opinion is, I think it's still very prevalent because um, I mean, I don't know the numbers for homeschooling. I know that there is a big rise recently, the stats and with COVID and that, Um But I think uh, maybe the odds of you meeting someone who was homeschooled may have been like slim. But today, you know, maybe 20 years ago, it was more slim. So it had this awkward connotation to it. And like now we have all of these resources, as you mentioned, that it's become a much more available and practical and like um, easy to do things. So you could potentially meet a neighbor who homeschooled, whereas that would have been something like Maybe you'd meet one person in your life.
1: <laughs> totally, yeah. Like I said, I didn't know anyone homeschooling when I grew up, and then became a homeschooler and didn't want to be that weird homeschool person. <laughs> but I think unless Here you're really are. truly shut up like we were during COVID, yeah, you're you know you're gonna find community these days. There's so many people who want to homeschool, and there's so many people who are accepting of homeschoolers that I think that old thought of they're weirdos is kind of starting to
0: yeah starting to go on the back burner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, before we wrap up, um, I, on a typical episode, we throw out a book recommendation. So, um, I wanted to find out if there is any book that really stood out to you on this topic that you could share with our audience.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I'm not a big, um, I, I like to read fiction, but I read occasionally a book about how to homeschool or, or things like that. And, um, the first book I read about homeschooling was called, um, the read aloud family by Sarah McKenzie. And, um, I've fallen in love with her and have since like w- listened to all her podcasts. And, um, oh, nice. I love her. She has got a website and she's got book lists and, um, so many freebies. And then she's got kind of like a, a Facebook kind of network thing, not a Facebook, but it's her own way of like organizing like customers. a website. Yeah. I'm not okay. sure what the word is I'm looking for, but, um, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I love her because she's just so encouraging. She is so down to earth and she's homeschooled six kids and she'll tell you a thousand different ways she's failed. And Uh you know, it's just, I find that really encouraging because as a homeschooling mom, it's never easy. Like every day is hard, but Mm -hmm. it's so rewarding too. And so she kind of is good at highlighting that. So.
0: That's nice. I imagine she is a wealth of practical knowledge and she sounds very approachable by the way you describe the book and her resources. So. Oh, absolutely. Well, um, Erica, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, yeah, this has been you a great convo. This was fun. And uh, for anyone listening, um, comment. uh, Let me know what you thought of the show. Um, If you're on Spotify, you can put your comment there or you can always uh, hit us up on Instagram. And um, I hope that this gave you food for thought. If you have young ones or even elementary or middle or high schoolers, that um, homeschooling could be an option. And um, I hope that we gave you something to chew on. So All right. Bye, Erica. Bye. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to today's interview. I'm sure you love hearing Bill and I chat about various topics, but truly in the heart of nuance, it is wonderful to bring on a guest and have a conversation So I hope you enjoyed and until next time.